short episode today. Just wanted to cover a few things. First off, remember, we are in the middle of an evaluation period. So if you remember in a previous episode, we were talking through the recruiting calendar and what that looks like and what different types of contacts or recruiting periods there are. And currently, as I just stated, we are in an evaluation period that started back in September on September 1st. Now I pulled this description right off the NCAA website. I'm going to read it verbatim so that you remember what an evaluation period is. It says, An evaluation period is that period of time when it is permissible for authorized athletics department staff members to be involved in off-campus activities designed to assess the academic qualifications and playing ability of prospective student-athletes. No in-person, off-campus recruiting contact shall be made with prospective student-athlete during an evaluation period. So at the end, I kind of botched it, but it says, with the prospective student athlete during an evaluation period. So just remember coaches are out there. Coaches are looking while you're playing. They're checking to see if you got it. Now I was at a funny story about this. I was actually at the Pleasant Grove high school versus Lehigh high school game in Utah. And what I like to do during high school games personally is I will go to the game. I try to be as discreet as possible. I go find a spot on the fence where I'm kind of eye level with the field so that I can gauge like, Hey, you know, this player's so it's you know, just as tall as me, not as tall as me. I can kind of see, Hey, where do they, where do they gauge from a height perspective? What is their body type like? Uh, but also too, I feel like I can see and understand what's happening in the game better from that level. I'm kind of used to that, that view or perspective of the game. So I do like doing that. Um, but it was funny because when I was doing that, just kind of hanging over by the fence, I saw three separate uh, collegiate programs that were there watching the game. And I happened to know some of those coaches. I won't name them by name, but not that it really matters. But um, yeah, it was just cool to kind of run into them and hopefully we can get them on the podcast. So which, by the way, I like to make it out to high school games as often as possible. So I try to make it to at least one game each week. And I've been putting together a list of guys uh, that I believe to be recruitable for the next level. And I'm going to put that list out sometime next month after I am through going through, you know, going through to all the games I possibly can. Uh, Obviously, I can't be everywhere. However, if there's a game that you think I should be going to, feel free to let me know. Uh, Just reach out to me on Instagram, just via direct message, and maybe I'll make it out to your game. It doesn't matter where it is. I can't be everywhere, but if, yeah, if uh, it's worth going to and you're willing to message me, maybe I might show up to your game. So um, I wanted to kind of do something a little bit different this time. Uh, One thing that comes up in college recruiting a lot is, hey, what are, what measurables are coaches actually looking for? And there's metrics that there are tons of them that coaches look at. And there's a couple in particular, height and weight, right? Height and weight are two that are extremely particular. Like I know coaches that are, are very like strict on specific sizes of uh, height wise for their players, whether it be a position coach, uh, a head coach, whatever it is, they're very, very specific for that. So I 
pulled some data from a report done by Southern Utah University sports communications students. Uh, they are department, I should say. They evaluated over three or let's see, 33,000 recruits over the last decade. And that report showed the average height and weight of players that made it to the next level amongst a few other details. But I wanted to share the numbers that were found for each position because they're really interesting. Now, when I say numbers, I'm just going to focus on height just straight across the board. And then we'll talk through that a little bit more. But for a defensive back, average height of athletes, again, going from high school, making it to the next level, uh, six feet and five sixteenth of an inch height. Okay. Now defensive end, they're not in any, any particular order. So we're just going to kind of buzz through them uh, for a defensive end, six, three and 11 sixteenth of an inch for a defensive tackle, six, two, seven, eighths of an inch. And then for a linebacker, actual average height was six, two. That one I wasn't, honestly, wasn't really expecting. Uh, an offensive lineman, 6'4", uh, almost 6'4 and a half, uh, just over. And then for a quarterback, 6'2", almost on the dot, a little over 6'2", so 6'2 and 118th. And a running back, and we'll talk about this one a little bit more, uh, but 5'10", and three quarters of an inch. And then tight end, six four and three eighths. A wide receiver, six one and one eighth. And there's a category in which we dub athlete. Um, now, from an athlete perspective, it might just be hey, they were played multiple positions in high school and they were recruited for multiple positions, or um, you know, not their particular position that they played in high school, but they were recruited for that into the college level. And we dub that as athlete. So the average athlete height being six feet. Uh, and some of those are actually categorized also as they didn't know the position. So they just put athlete. So it's kind of a wide range of what was in that in particular. So that was six foot, three quarters of an inch. And then kickers, interestingly enough, uh, was six one and one sixteenth. Now, a few things to note from this. Um, if you noticed, almost all of them were about six feet, at least like six feet or above. There's only one position. If you're paying attention, it was running back, uh, where running backs can tend to run a little bit shorter, and there are some you know tactical advantages to being a little bit shorter as a running back. Uh, able to squeeze in some small spaces <laughs> as needed. But um, what's what I wanted to elaborate on, uh, it was I know a lot of coaches that take a recruiting report. So let's say that we had a summer camp. And at that camp, we had, you know, hundreds of kids show, let's say 500 kids show up to that camp. Um, what they'll do is they'll take that list and they'll take all the measurables on that list and they'll go to the height column and they'll sort the entire list of athletes by height. And then they'll take all the athletes that are under six feet and they'll just remove them from the list. And they'll say, I'm not interested. Now, it's a hard reality for some guys listening to this podcast. 
Just know if you don't measure up from a height or even a weight perspective, it's not the end of the world. Just know that for the things you don't measure up to in size, you need to offset that with other measurables. And we're going to talk through it. So let's talk through that a little bit more. So I break this down into uh, a few different sections. And the first one is the non-controllable physical metrics. These are non-controllable metrics. It means you have zero control over this and you just have to deal with what the, the dear Lord that uh, brought you here on this earth bless you with. <laughs> and there's no magic pill that'll make it better. And those are your height and your wingspan or arm length and also your hand size. Okay. Those are, I would say, very typical measurements that, uh, you know, college recruiter or high school or college coach would be looking at when trying to measure whether or not you have those right metrics and making it to the next level. So those are non-controllable physical metrics that we're looking at. Then we have controllable metrics. And I broke these down into two categories. The first category we'll go over is the physical metrics and attributes that are controllable. Now, the first one is your weight Okay. Very much controllable along with, with your weight is body composition. Now I don't know a whole lot of coaches, uh, at the collegiate level that actually measure that. Um, I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen, uh, but it wasn't fairly common in all the places that I've been. Uh, but if you're not familiar with, with what your body composition is, that is your lean muscle or lean mass versus your fat mass, uh, and or other, I should say. And it's, yeah, it's really all it is, but it's something that can be very much improved, right? With the right dietary or right diet and the right, you know, workout routine and focus on actually burning uh, fat mass and putting on more lean mass. That is something that is 100% controllable. And now getting into some, uh, some other ones here from separating. Well, I guess there's one more technically body size that kind of goes hand in hand with hand size. Even though hand size is one of those non-controllables, your grip strength is very much a controllable one where you can continue to improve that, right? That forearm strength that uh, translate into, translates into grip strength is something that can be huge, right? As an offensive lineman myself, grip strength was massive. Being able to punch, lock onto a defensive lineman, keep him in front of me so that I don't get a holding call. Like that was huge. And I had these big old mitts that right here, you can probably see him takes up the whole screen, but <laughs> these big old mitts that can help me with that. And then, you know, think if you're a receiver, you know, obviously the bigger hands are more likely you are to catch the ball. Um, if you're a linebacker or even a defensive lineman, bigger hands are probably easier it is. And the better grip strength you have, I should say, the better chances you are of actually hanging on to that uh, ball carry and bringing him down for a tackle. So that is one I think is often overlooked. There are some places I know that don't look at their hand size and hand and grip strength, but just wanted to throw that one out there. Now getting into some different ones, uh, not different, but more common ones that you've heard of. Now the 40 yard dash. Now that's a pretty simple one, right? We're evaluating acceleration of speed and overall speed. How fast can you get from point A to point B in just a straight line? Okay. Now there's a vertical jump as well. Now your vertical jump, also your broad jump, 
broad jump. <laughs> Sorry, I'm fumbling over my words tonight. Uh, but broad jump and vertical jump are going to test your explosiveness, right? How explosive are you as an athlete? How high can you jump? How high can you get in the air? How, how high can you high point that ball as a receiver? Right. If you're a defensive uh, back, like, are you able to get up and, and bat down those contested balls or fight for those contested balls? Like getting up in the air uh, is huge and broad jump as well. Just overall explosive movement moving forward. And then getting into some more strength ones would be a pretty obvious one. Bench press. I know a lot of people will or a lot of coaches will obviously look at like a 225 bench rep max and that's very common in a pro day and some of these that i'm talking through you're going to see in an nfl pro day uh, or like the combine and more commonly known as the massive get together uh, all the little satellite sites in which nfl scouts go to are called pro days and where they bring all of like the top college recruits together college uh, players together to scout them is the combine so these are, you know, a lot of these drills are very similar to what you're going to see in the NFL combine and pro days. So, uh, again, kind of going into the bench press, which is really going to test, Hey, do they have the upper body strength that we're looking for? Uh, and this isn't super commonly looked at, but like a, from a lower body strength standpoint, uh, they may just kind of take the, the, you know, strength coaches word for it. Cause again, you're not going to test like full on you know, squat or deadlift during a pro day. It's going to take away from your ability to test on your, you know, 40 yard dash and other things because it takes a lot of energy out of your legs to be able to do that. So they don't necessarily test on squats or deadlifts. They just kind of look and say, Hey, what kind of lower body strength does this athlete have? What's on record? We'd love to know. Uh, And again, you're not going to see a lot of that from college coaches coming to find you as a high school recruit either. So they're just going to, again, take your coach's word for it on that one. Uh, I, I will say uh, one thing that could help you a lot with squat and like deadlift, that lower body strength and showing it off is if you're going to do some one rep maxes uh, or even like a two or three rep max at the high school level, have it recorded, put it on film. If you're a high school coach, man, throw some cameras out during those days, man. Let, just let these you know athletes that play for you let them shine on social media, throw it out there. So, uh, going back into, you know, out of the strength realm. And what's funny is there's all kinds of metrics that can measure strength, but we're not focused on those. I'm focusing on some that may just kind of help you from an evaluation standpoint. Um, but getting into a little bit more of like the agility stuff. So, uh, cone drills, you know, specifically the pro agility or the three cone drill, uh, which is a five, 10, five. So five, you know, five yards going one direction, change of direction, 10 yards back, and then change direction back the original direction, five yards, right? That's a pro agility is what it's commonly known as. And there's also the L drill. Uh, the L drill is similar three cones, uh, one setup, uh, you know, at the start, uh, and five yards ahead, five yards to the right. And then that's it. And really your, your whole goal is to go five yards back and then five yards around the top two cones and then all the way back to the start. So, and your, your times on that may vary. Uh, obviously I'm not going to get into all those times right now. Uh, I probably should, but, <laughs> um, the, the times on those are, are going to 
determine your actual ability to change direction um, and your mobility too. Like, hey, when he goes to change direction, do his hips flip? Like, is he being able to go from facing one way to another way quicker? And not just, you know, the pro agility is going to test a little bit more from side to side um, and your ability to get in and out of breaks versus the L drill is going to test your ability to actually turn and maneuver that way a little bit better. So anyway, uh, going on from that is some position specific drills. Now, coaches, this is why coaches actually love to have you out at those summer camps. They may not be able to actually come out and see you do position specific drills at any other point of the year. So getting out to their camp or to some satellite camp that they will be at is going to show them your position specific abilities. So whether it be an offensive lineman and seeing if they know how to actually set a technique, if they know how to take you know specific steps or keep a low pad level, do they bend at the knees or do they bend at the waist? Like, do they keep their head up on contact during specific drills? Uh, and then, you know, obviously from a, I don't even know, linebacker standpoint. I mean, how do they step from a bag? It's like simple bag step over drills. Is this guy an athlete or is he fumbling all over himself? They're going to be looking for these position specific drills at these camps. Now, and what I love about what I'm going through right now is that we just talked about, we are in an evaluation period. So coaches are going out to your high school games and watching you play. They will look at your game performance flat out all of these metrics, right? All of these measurable things we talked about, upper body strength, explosiveness, lower body strength, agility, change of direction, body, like how is the body style? All of this playing into, do these translate into on-field success? Your game performance metrics, how many tackles you have, right? How many catches you have? How many yards after the catch that you have? How many, you know, passing yards, rushing yards, all these things, how many sacks do you have? They're all going to play into, hey, your game performance metrics. Do you actually ball out when the time comes? How well do you know and understand the game, right? And then one that I think gets overlooked from time to time is just overall endurance. And not necessarily is this going to like restrict you. I know guys that came in their first, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but I know guys that come in their first day of strength and conditioning at the collegiate level and they're puking all over because they're not physically ready and conditioned for that type of workout. And so (laughs) that's one of those things that you can work on. Again, these are controllable physical attributes, but your overall endurance. Like, are you winded after one series into the game? Now, again, is that going to completely restrict your ability to actually make it the next level? No, not necessarily. However, it does in my mind as a, you know, recruiting this player, I'm going to look and say, Ooh, like this guy is going to require a lot of work. He's going to have to lose some weight. He's going to get better condition. Am I willing to take that risk that he's actually gonna be able to get that done? Uh, and if you're balling out, uh, but you're winded all the time, which is hard for me to believe, but if it's, if you, you know, might get a chance if you're one of those guys that are, are freak athletes from that perspective. So, uh, now I'm going to transition into some of those common non-physical metrics and attributes that coaches are looking for. 
Now, obviously, you have your academic side of it. I'm going to start right there because I believe that to be a very important part of this process. Your academic record. How is your GPA? Right? Not just that, but how do you actually do in school? How is your test taking abilities? Do you turn in your assignments on time? Are you late with stuff? Are you late to class? Do you show up to class? Like from an academic standpoint, those things are all going to play into your chance to get recruited at all. Your eligibility, right? We've had this conversation multiple times. If you've been following this podcast, your academic success is going to be evaluated. Now, how about your character? Coaches are going to be looking at that. That is 100% controlled by you. Your character on and off the field. What kind of person are you? What can they expect out of you? It's a massive one. How about your leadership? I think that plays into character a little bit. If you're a leader on the field, do people look up to you? Do people want to play with you? Do you set an example to your teammates? Are you a leader? Are you a captain on the team? If you're not, what should you be doing to get there? Something to think about? Your attitude, very much controllable. Are you upset because you have to be at practice? Are you upset because you have to be at weights? Are you, at, are you grumpy when you show up to class? Attitude is 100% controllable. You can control your attitude and how you treat people. You can control that. So control it. Be excited. You don't have to do anything. You get to do it. Now, this plays into, I believe, very much so your work ethic. Non, again, non-physical metric. Do you grind? Are you a grinder? That's why we call this thing the recruit grind. I've said it before. <laughs> it's a grind to get through this. Do Are you willing to grind? Are you up to the task? Or do you loaf on the backside of the play because the ball went the other way? That's actually an interesting one. I watched... Again, I mentioned I went to the Pleasant Grove Lehigh High School game in Utah. I watched number nine for Pleasant Grove. I believe his name was Matira Brown. I watched him on the backside of the play. Defense, right? He's playing defensive end. He he played kind of DN outside linebacker type guy. And ball goes the other direction. I watched him shuffle down the line, ensure that the ball is committed to the other direction, And then I see him open up his hips and fly from the backside of the play and completely hawk down the ball from the backside. It was unbelievable play. It was fantastic. That's the type of work ethic that I'm talking about. That's on-field example. What kind of grades are you actually getting? If If you had a job in high school and I went to your boss and I said, is this guy a hard worker? What will your boss tell me? Will he say, hey, yep, he shows up on time. He's always willing to do other things that nobody else is willing to do. He just absolutely does a fantastic job of it. He pays attention to the details. He is an absolute grinder. Think about that. That's something to think about that. I do recruiting now uh, for a solar company in the state of Texas. And that's the number one question I'm going to ask all the time. It's like, hey, if I called up a previous employer... What are they going to tell me about you? 
And I want them to fumble through that. I want them to think <laughs> in their head like, oh, man, well, these are things that I'm really good at. And then when I make that call as a reference to their actual employer that they worked with, I want to see if it matches up. So how hard do you work? Now, there's one here that plays into a lot of these as well. But do you contribute positively to your team culture? Again, you might not be the captain. Maybe not. But does the rest of the team enjoy you being there? Are you a positive influence on others? Or do you bring people down by coming off the sideline, throwing your helmet, throwing a fit, yelling at the refs because of a call that you believe to be dumb? Come on. Come on. I get the passion for the game. I'm not trying to take away from that. But does your attitude take away from your team? Something to think about. Again, these are all things that can be worked on and improved And there's ways for you to actually improve on all these things that are controllable metrics. Now, what you might be lacking from a height and weight and other simple body measurements like your hand, you can make up for those by doing the things that you could control and still be a recruit and very much recruitable. Now, it can be overwhelming to think about all these things that you have to improve on, all these areas that you need to improve on. And I'm going to talk about something very, very simple, simple concept. Rather than being overwhelmed, be self-aware and understand, again, if if you're in an interview and I can ask you that question, hey, what are some of your weaknesses? What is something you need to work on? If I call the previous employer, what would they tell me about you on the type of things that you did well and things that you, you lacked on? You need to be able to answer that question. Be self-aware. Know what your weaknesses are. And if you aren't sure what those are, you really just aren't sure, you're oblivious to it, go ask your coaches. They'll tell you. Ask them to be honest with you and be ready for that feedback. Be ready to listen and take it in and internalize it and then improve. Don't ask if you aren't coachable. Okay? Be coachable. Then, when you know and understand things that you need to get better at, You focus on getting them better one at a time. Consistency is key in this. One thing at a time, get better. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You need to get a little bit better each day in whatever you're struggling with. Done. That's the episode. I love all of you. Keep grinding. Let's go.